Alright, and welcome to the Rory's Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declones some of our own winners in some of our wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I am your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, solo once again as we have a look at some episodes of Raw and Nitro. June 10, 1996 are the exact date, so we're heading headfirst into the NWO storyline, and the WWF is compiling a roster to put their charge against them, although they don't really know what that's going to be up against just yet. We're heading in towards the King of the Ring pay-per-view on Raw, and that is what I watched first, as it's now the shortest show. We're in the uh, two-hour era of Nitro officially. So let's head over to Monday Night Raw and see what Vince McMahon's cast had to offer. As usual, it's Vince McMahon and Jerry Lawler on commentary, and they're talking about the gift that Jerry Lawler has for the Ultimate Warrior later this evening, and, oh, this just absolutely pulls on the memory and makes me crack up. I'm dying to see this. They also tell us that our main event this week will be The Undertaker taking on the British Bulldog, and my first note is, damn, they're increasing the star power after they're hiding in the ratings last week and the NWO stuff coming on. So that's pretty cool. Um... Yoko, of course, is in the ring for his King of the Ring qualifier, taking on Owen Hart, who comes out with his Slammy, and we get a quick video on his King of the Ring from two years ago as well. He comes in and he jumps Owen, uh, jumps Yoko rather quite quickly, but Yoko comes back with a clothesline and a chop. Owen Hart has a cast on his arm, which cracks me up. Uh, we know this is going to last a while and really produce some great memories. Yoko hits a slam but misses an elbow. Owen goes to pounding on Yoko as the crowd quite heatedly chants for Brett. We get a spin kick, knocking Yoko down, but Owen misses an elbow drop off the second rope. Comes for a headbutt, but unfortunately, this being the WWF pre-Attitude Era-ish, Owen Hart is too white to pull off a headbutt, so that hurts him rather than Yoko. Yoko goes up for the bonsai, but falls off of the ropes as a spot that we've seen many times from Yoko in this era, and Owen Hart gets the sneaky pin with his feet on the ropes for a 1-2-3 in a really, really horrible ending, because he still obviously had no weight on Yoko, and Yoko just laid there like a big tub of goo, so it didn't look good for anyone involved. That'll send us to our first commercial, and interestingly, we get a pretty cool live events tour. Um commercial here and it's called the attitude adjustment tour so no john cena won't be on it but that was an interesting little historical tidbit from there we go to a clip of jake the snake roberts on the action zone talking about some of his troubles with addiction and whatnot and how bad it got for him and i found this really interesting so i'm going to splice a little clip of this in for you and let you all have a listen tough enough to let myself down in my dreams my goals and it was really tough to let my wife down disappoint her scare her i mean it got to the point with her where she'd have to stay awake some nights to make sure i didn't die because i'd quit breathing and she'd shake me i'd take too many pills do too much cocaine and she'd shake me to keep me breathing maybe she'd have to dig vomit out of my mouth because i'd be choking on it in my sleep didn't even know it But when your children are afraid of daddy, when your children are afraid to go to sleep at night because they're afraid daddy's going to leave so he can get high, 
And that little child is a run to you first. That starts making you want to die. So though that clip is actually one of just a small snippet of a series on the Action Zone where JR interviewed Jake Roberts, and you can actually find most of those pieces on YouTube if you care to go and have a listen or if you've never heard it before. I definitely recommend it because there's some interesting stuff on there. I went and had a bit of a listen to it. And yeah, definitely um, interesting considering where Jake went from there and where he is now, and yeah, it just makes for some good listening. From there, we go to our next King of the Ring qualifier, which is Wildman Mark Miro taking on Skip of the Body Donners. JR's now on commentary with Jerry Lawler, um, and he gets on the back of Yokozuna pretty early, saying he's got to go and find himself. And considering JR's, you know, moving into talent relations, I don't know the timeline on that, but you've got to imagine there's a bit of shoot in that comment there. And, of course, JR and Jerry Lawler have some really good banter on commentary as this match gets to a pretty slow start. Miro hits some arm drags and a drop kick, a hip toss, uh, skip suplexes him onto the top rope, which is cool, then a snap suplex and a second rope fist drop. Uh, Vince McMahon mentions the Bill Clinton issue with the FBI, so that really dates us some more. Jerry Lawler mentions Vince's trouble with the FBI, and that just popped me massively. Uh, we get a Mark Miro top rope sunset flip, which, as usual, is my wrestling logic spot because jumping off the top rope onto your back hurts you in every way other than when you're performing a sunset flip. So, yeah, that's quite stupid. We get a clothesline from Skip and then a and then an advert, sorry, as I completely lose my train of thought. We come back and we get a knee lift and a gut wrench suplex for a two, a slam for a two, but Mark Miro hits some nice boxing shots, pulling up a stupid face as he um, puts up his hands and goes for the head. Uh, Miro misses a crossbody pretty badly to the arena floor. Skip then misses a plancher, so it starts to catch, and we get a somersault plancher from Miro, a springboard splash back into the ring for a two, and then a top rope hurricane runner for the one, two, three, in what was a decent flurry to an end, and otherwise pretty forgettable match. We go to another commercial break, and one of the adverts we see on this is the Sega Satin Slam of the Week, which is Savio Vega and Stone Cold, and then we go to a King of the Ring ad, which is Jerry Lawler in Heaven or in Hell. From here, we go to the segment that I've been waiting for all along, and it's Jerry Lawler um, out with Vince McMahon, and they introduce the ultimate warrior who comes out in a baseball cap. Yes, this is the infamous moment where... Jerry Lawler smacks a portrait of the Ultimate Warrior over his head, breaking it, but the Warrior insisted on wearing a hat so he didn't get hurt. Before all that happens, the Ultimate Warrior calls Jerry Lawler a con artist, and then he actually pretty much no-sells the frame shot as well, which made it completely wasted. Um, I can't do this segment justice. You've got to go and watch it, and then I'd probably even recommend checking out the um, Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard episode where they cover this as well, because it's actually pretty funny hearing the intricate details of this one. From there, we go to a commercial break, and it's an ad for Shawn Michaels versus the British Bulldog at the upcoming pay-per-view. And it's time for our main event, and it's the British Bulldog taking on The Undertaker. Shawn Michaels is in the studio cutting a bit of a promo, but Jim Cornette interrupts him and says that they're going to have to settle the, they've settled the lawsuit out of court with Gorilla Monsoon, and they get to name a special referee for the Bulldogs title match with Shawn Michaels. Um, early on in the match, the Bulldog dodges Undertaker, but Undertaker hits him with a lifting choke and some corner punches, then lifting choke into the corner with a big throw. He goes old school and hits a slam and the big leg for the 1-2. Uh, good crowd for this one as well. They seem pretty well into this match, and considering some of the crap they've watched lately, Undertaker versus Bulldog is a decent step up. Bulldog comes back with a headbutt, um, 
and a delayed vertical suplex, which on a guy the size of The Undertaker is even more impressive. We get a rest in peace chant for The Undertaker. Uh, the Bulldog hits his power slam as well, but only gets a two count. Um, and Vince McMahon confirms that the special guest referee from Jim Cornette's choice is actually true. Um, we get a swinging neck breaker and a leg drop by Bulldog. Undertaker continues to sit up. But Taker comes back with a back suplex, and we go to a commercial as they lay on the mat. Jim Cornette's shilling the hotline. Um, he's saying that... Poss- oh, sorry, Jerry Lawless shilling the hotline there, saying that possibly Brian Pillman is signed with the WWF, so that's going to be interesting to follow that one along. Taker comes back with a clothesline and a big choke slam, and then clotheslines Bulldog out of the ring. They brawl along the outside, Taker sending the Bulldog into Mankind, who's come down. Um, he's at- oh, Sorry, Bulldog sending the bulldog into the ring and mankind who's under the ring actually grabs the leg of the undertaker um causing him to be counted out which was a really creative and cool finish without either guy getting pinned the heels then beat on the undertaker as we go home with mankind stood over the undertaker dominant this was a much much better episode of raw than the one we reviewed last time around um you'll notice it's been a while since these raw and nitro reviews because the last one really took out out of me with how dull it was but this one definitely got us back to where we need to be on the wwf side of the fence very good episode um if you've got 45 minutes to spare i definitely recommend firing this one up on the network and if not definitely the bulldog versus undertaker main event and the cool finish and the lawler warrior stuff so some good stuff to be found on here which they're going to need because wcw is about to start firing on all cylinders. We'll have a look at WCW in a moment, but before we do, it's time to take a trip down memory lane. Peace, God. Peace God. Now the shit is explained. I'm taking niggas on a trip straight through memory lane. It's like that job. It's like that job. Today's trip down memory lane actually um, is sort of wrestling and rap inspired, and it's the Def Jam wrestling games, um, specifically this time around Def Jam Vendetta for the PlayStation 2. Um, these games were surprisingly good, and the graphics on them were awesome for the time. Um, who wouldn't want to battle in with wrestling moves on the streets with characters such as Method Man, Fat Joe, Exhibit, Dub C, um, Buster Rhymes? This was just really, really good stuff, and... um. I really wish one of these PlayStations would have complete backwards compatibility because these are some games I'd really love to go and get. I know everybody's into sort of like the the NES and the SNES and the Mega Drive minis and whatnot that are coming out, and I would get them if, if you could actually put games into them as well. And something like this for PlayStation, I'd be all over too. I actually own a Retron console, which is not the best, but it does allow you to play all Nintendo and Sega cartridges, so that gives me a little bit of a leeway and something I can do with it up until I think about the 64, which is where I need another one. But I digress. The um, Def Jam series, definitely worth checking out if you are into classic games, wrestling games, fighting games, especially like I am and was. And yeah, this one's one that just brings back nostalgia. That whole PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2 era is when I was fin- in and around finishing high school. And that's sort of probably when you are at your most 
heavily involved in video games. You've got a lot of spare time on your hands. You're a teenage boy. You trade games at school and whatnot. So, yeah, definitely great feels from me. And if you've got any comments or you remember that game, hit me up on Twitter and get a chat going. That'll do it for this week's memorabilia segment. And we are going to go over and see what WCW has to offer with Nitro. As I mentioned earlier, we're on the two-hour Nitro era now, so Larry Zabisco and Tony Schiavone are the commentators for Hour 1, and they tell us that we're going to see Giant versus Scott Scott Norton, sorry, not Scott Hall, Scott Norton in the second hour, um, and we see replays of Sting slapping Scott Hall on the last episode of Nitro, which was a really cool moment. Uh, they talk... Uh, about what was his big surprise coming next week, and Tony Schiavone with the classic line on commentary next week is this week, so meaning we're going to see the big reveal of who Scott Hall is bringing with him. We start out with a future Nitro and WCW main event, Booker T taking on Scott Steiner. Uh, Booker T hits a nice beal early, and Scott Steiner attempts several suplexes, but Booker T blocks them all until he gets caught with a double underhook suplex, an inverted atomic drop, a clothesline out of the ring. Booker fights back with a leg lariat for a two, a top rope cross body for a T, uh, for a two, and Scott Steiner hits a reverse DDT, a backdrop, a belly to belly, but misses the Frankensteiner. We get Larry Zabisco criticizing every pin attempt on commentary, which gets a little bit redundant after a while. Booker T misses a top rope splash, and then Scott Steiner hits a beautiful overhead belly to belly suplex for a one two three, which was a bit of a shock ending. I didn't expect to see the match end that way, but really decent short little match that one. We go to a commercial, and when we come back, Gene is with Scott Steiner. Um, apparently, the Steiners are going to face fire and ice at the pay-per-view, but Deborah comes out and interrupts, uh, saying she blames herself for the problems with the NFL lads and the Four Horsemen, and wants to meet with Ric Flair and Arn Anderson to try and smooth the whole thing over before somebody gets hurt. Dirty Gene, of course, can't just you know sympathise or empathise with Deborah and help her. She has to make a comment on how lovely she's looking. So, Dirty Gene is well on his way to becoming a WCW regular at this point. Our next matchup is Jim Powers. Yes, that Jim Powers taking on Diamond Dallas Page. Um, the job of search to fill out Nitro appears to continue here because yeah, we just we don't have the roster for a two-hour show yet, and we're going to keep putting different guys on until we find something that works. DDP uh, beats on Jim Powers in the corner. Um, Jim Powers comes out with a roll-up for a two again and again, then a cross-body for a two. Um, has some... Might 
my notes here actually confused myself for a while. Um, full disclosure, I watched these shows a few weeks ago and I've been busy watching, recording and editing other shows that have been released since I watched these. Um, but I actually just hit the pause button for a quick moment there and figured out what I wrote. And apparently I um, put a note here saying it's hard to take Jim Powers seriously because I watched an episode of Superstars earlier today where he jobbed Money Inc. So yeah, I'm sure that was relevant at the time, but maybe not so much now. Um, DDP hits a gut buster and then Jim Powers uh, hits the 10 head to the turnbuckle spot, a knee lift and a drop kick for a two. Um, but apparently uh, this match is for the Lord of the Ring as well, which uh, the ring that DDP won in the Big Battle Royal. Um, DDP, however, does not lose that and hits a big diamond cutter for the 1-2-3. From there, we go to a nice video package on the Four Horsemen, Kevin Sullivan, Hulk Hogan, etc. Um, running down some of the stuff going on in WCW at the moment as we go out to our next commercial. When we come back in, we have another video package on Conan, and it's several minutes without anything live going on in the arena for us to watch, and I can't help but feel they'll trim that down in the future as people start to switch over the channel. We then get Mean Gene interviewing Conan. This is not the cool Conan that we got later on that became a hot commodity in wrestling. This is pretty boring, generic face, 96 Conan, so nothing to note here. And we go out to our next match, which is Meng taking on Sting. Match starts with some nice strikes by Meng and a backdrop by Sting, followed by a crossbody for a two and a, a trifecta of clotheslines and a bulldog. Meng hits the typical Meng offense of a small package. You don't see that very often for a two, but then hits a nice shoulder breaker before Sting locks on the Scorpion Deathlock and gets a quick tap-out victory. If we're having to put three or four video packages back-to-back -back and get Jim Powers out for matches, I can't help but feel like matches like this could probably be given a few more minutes. We then get a Regal promo going into the commercial break, and we go back to see Gene with Deborah and with Bobby Heenan. Uh, they take Deborah into the dressing room, but they shut the door on the cameraman and Heenan, and then not too much longer, we hear a scream and Deborah runs out. Um, so not sure what happened in there. They leave that to your imagination. We see the Renegade and Joe Gomez come to help, but the Four Horsemen quite handily beat down those two jobbers. So, yeah, they're not the two guys you want coming to your rescue if you're in any real danger. From there, we go to our next match up, which is Jim Duggan taking on Dave Taylor. Jim Duggan hits a hip toss and a clothesline. Flair and Anderson are now... Um, we're told taking on Lex Luger and Sting this evening for the tag titles. Um, so that's going to be an interesting matchup. We see Duggan hit a three-point stance into a clothesline for a two. Taylor hits a European uppercut. And Jim Duggan then tapes up his fist and nails Taylor for the lame, completely shit one-two-three finish. I know Duggan doesn't book his own matches, but the fact that he's thought up and thinks it's okay to use sticky tape on your wrist as a finishing maneuver and kill the credibility of all his opponents is enough to earn Jim Duggan this week's dick move of the week. Mate, it's a bit of fucking sticky tape on your wrist. It's not superpowers. It's not a foreign object. You're literally just putting about enough tape to stick a poster on a teenage girl's wall over your knuckles before punching someone. For fuck's sake, how did nobody think this was a bad idea? I don't... I don't mean to rant but this finishing maneuver not only is it the dick move of the week but if it was on the hammerlock scale it would knock the fucking thing off the charts it'd be a solid 11 out of 10 that is how much i hate the tape fist ending so jim duggan go back to 96 and knock it off now 
From there, we get something I'm slightly more positive about, and it's a video package for Dean Malenko taking on Rey Mysterio at the next pay-per-view, and I am well and truly looking forward to that one. That should be brilliant. We then go to Gene with Bubba and Jimmy Hart, who cuts a decent promo on John Tenta. Um, Gene, however, can't help himself again and takes a cheap shot at John Tenta's beard, and I'm just thinking to myself, just twat him one. He's a little prick sometimes. We then go to an interview with Scott Norton, and of course, Gene is conducting this one as well, and it's at this point in the show that I say there's just far too much mean Gene on this show for my liking. Um, it's Basically, he says that he's not scared, and he wants a giant right now, and then we have another weird countdown to hour two. This is something I hope they do away with sooner rather than later, because it's really awkward, but at least it's not mid-match with everyone standing around wondering what's going on this week. We get Horns and Pyro to celebrate Hour 2 starting, and yeah, that's a little bit weird, but it is what it is. And we go to our next match, which is a giant defending his World Heavyweight title against Scott Norton. Norton jumps him early, but of course it doesn't work because the giant's too big and strong, and he comes back with a power slam. They brawl along the outside, and then giant choke slams Norton on the floor. That looked pretty fucking sore. Rolls him in, and of course it's good enough for the 1-2-3. Giant successfully retains his title on Nitro again. He goes up for a second choke slam, but Lex come out to make Lex comes out to make the save. Giant goes to choke slam him through the VIP table, but Lex kicks him square in the bollocks and walks off. Good on you, Lex. Lex Luger is a really endearing character in '96. Someone that I've loved going back and watching. Um, he then cuts a promo at the commentary table as we go out to our next commercial. Looking for me, Bischoff. Oh. Oh, wait a minute. Luger is here. Wait a minute. Here's a microphone, Lex Luger. You got something to say, buddy. Say it. Well, I guess the giant does feel pain. One for you, one for me. The gloves are off. The rule book is out the window at the Great American Bash. Giant, you do feel pain, don't you? And I got a lot more surprises for you for the total package. I'll see you there. After the Lugo promo, we go to a commercial, and when we come back, it's time for Regal taking on Billy Kidman, uh, which is Billy Kidman's Nitro debut. He's got short hair and long tights. That's something that will definitely change in the near future. Uh, Regal goes for a bit of a beatdown um, on Kidman early. Kidman comes back with a drop kick and a sunset for a two. A springboard bulldog and misses a 450. Regal hits a sight, Tiger suplex and locks on a bit of a modified version of the walls of Jericho, putting his foot on the head of Kidman and forcing the tap out. So only a short match here and we'll definitely see a lot more of Kidman in the years to come. Sting comes out and backhands Regal and trash talks him. Uh, the whole thing lasts about 60 seconds, so it was a bit of a shame that we didn't get more out of the match or the follow-up, but that's okay. I'm hoping there's going to be more to come as we go to another commercial. Nasty Boys talk us into the commercial, and when we come back, it's time for them to take on Public Enemy, which starts with, of course, a four-man brawl. If you thought I was going to say chain wrestling or anything like that, then you've not been listening. We get split-screened so we can see the four brawling around, and this has gotten pretty old. I've seen this too many times now, and it never really changes all that much. We get a big nasty chant, so maybe it's just me and the, the crowd back in 96 loved it, but it just didn't do anything for me at all. We get a double clothesline from Sags and then a low blow. The four men brawl along the outside some more as we go to a commercial. Uh, when we come back from the commercial, we get another Glacier advert. Um, just give me an elite flashback Glacier for my WCW collection, please, Mattel. I'm begging you on that one. 
Grunge has apparently got a broken arm as well. It's in a plaster, so he's channeling his inner Owen Hart right there. Got a power slam from Sags and a pump handle slam. But then he uses a trash can, and there's a disqualification, so I don't understand what this was. It appeared to be a false count anywhere, four-man tornado tag, but then right at the death, we get a DQ. So, bit of a waste of time, this one. Nothing really to write home about. We get the same full-length Hulk Hogan video as the week before, and just piss off with this. Like, I don't need a entire video clip of Hulk Hogan packages in the middle of a live Nitro. Show me some wrestling, some promos. There's been two or three matches that could have gone longer, or segments as well. We then get another recap of the NFL Four Horsemen feud, so we're really in hype mode for that, and we think we're going to bring in some viewers with Mongo and Kevin Green. And then it's time for our main event, Sting and Lex Luger taking on the Horsemen, Ric Flair and Arn Anderson. Lex gets a press slam, which gets a crowd hot early and a pair of clotheslines. The four horsemen bail. Flair goes up top. Um, oh, sorry, gets whipped in for his patented corner whip. Um, the faces are dominating early. Lex hits a delayed vertical but misses an elbow. Arn and Sting both come in and Sting hits a bulldog. The horsemen bail again. Ric Flair with some chops but then goes up top and gets caught. Sting with a top rope clothesline, but Arn Anderson makes a save on the pin. Um, Ric Flair has a nasty back splotch here as well, which really rivals Dusty's belly one, but doesn't get talked about anywhere near as much. It was proper gross. Arn with his beautiful spine buster for a two as we go to a commercial. When we come back, we get a two count on a sunset flip from Sting and a slam from Arn. Sting makes a hot tag to Lex, who comes in with another press slam, clothesline, and a power slam for a two. Clotheslines both of the fa- heels out of the ring and the crowd um, all look up the aisle and, yep, you guessed it, the Giant's on his way out. Lex goes and attacks him and then Scott Steiner comes out with a wooden chair and we get a three-on-one on the Giant and Jimmy Hart, realizing this is not the best situation, drags him out. Gene then with the Giant, who promises Lex will go out on a stretcher when they face each other. Bobby Heenan comes out and cuts a promo on the Macho Man um, before looking off camera. Sorry, Bobby Heenan, sorry, at the commentary booth, starts cutting a promo on the Macho Man before looking off camera and legging it before we see what's going on. And yes, you guessed it, it is Scott Hall back out for another famous moment, which I will insert right about now, my funk soul brother. When you Let me tell you something. Let me tell the world something. Savages out there watching, do you think you're going to tear me apart? Put your dirty, dirty hands around my body at the Great American Bash. You, you, and this whole world is wrong. I don't have any beef with you. I didn't take money from Flair that was filtered through your ex-wife to give to me. You're badly mistaken. I wear glasses. I don't want to be touched or bothered. Sounds to me like, Bobby Heenan, you are backpedaling. You are really backpedaling now. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I don't want any trouble with you. I don't want any trouble with you here now. But I didn't have to point out, you came out here last week. Where is it? The big surprise. I mean, I heard a lot of talk, but where's the walk? What? I'm here. Where is it? 
sitting out here for six months running your mouth. This is where the big boys play, huh? Look at the adjective, play. We ain't here to play. Now he said last week that he was gonna bring somebody out here. I'm here. You still don't have your three people. And you know why? Because nobody wants to face us. This show's about as interesting as Marge Schott reading excerpts from Mein Kampf. No trouble here tonight. Speak your piece and hit Yeah, no trouble because you know I'll kick your teeth down your throat. Where's your three guys? You what, you couldn't get a paleontologist to get a couple of these fossils cleared? You ain't got enough guys off a dialysis machine to get a team? Yeah, where's Hogan? Where's Hogan? Out doing another episode of Blunder in Paradise? Where's the macho man, huh? Doing some Slim Jim commercial? Hey, we're here. You want to say something? Look, I don't have the authority right here, right now. You want to fight? Fight is it with me. You want three guys? Tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock, I'm going to be in Atlanta. I'll be in the offices of WCW. I'll try and get you your fight. And you know what? Live this Sunday in Baltimore, Great American Bash. You guys want to show up? You want to fight? You show up. I'll see if I can get you your fight. I don't know about you, but hey, they love us in Baltimore. Hey, hey Big Man, I say me and you, we'd be at the Bash. Maybe these punks want to fight. Yeah. I'll be there. Bring what you got. The measuring stick just changed around here, buddy. You're looking at it. yeah the measuring stick has changed and Hall and Nash are here for the long haul now that was a um, a really really good ending to Nitro you can't fault that whatsoever um, as they're finding their feet with the two hour stuff I've been critical with some of the segments but this was absolutely brilliant uh, the most surprising news before popping this one on for me was that uh, they didn't actually win the ratings this week yeah Raw beat them 2.7 to a 2.6 very tight race but um with an ending like that, you can't see them winning too many more anytime soon. But that's not what's important on this show. What's important is who had the most quality and who won this battle here with us. So we're going to go and have a quick look and make ourselves a snap decision. As far as match quality goes, I probably do have to lean... Oh, actually, no, it's a bit of a tough one. I probably... Because the Bulldog-Undertaker match was really good. Um, Mero and Skip wasn't anything great, but it was decent. And most of the matches on Nitro were a little bit too short. Um, it's a bit of a tough one to call, so I'm probably actually just going to go with a tie on this one. Nitro was a bit of a mixed bag for the wrestling. Some good, some bad. Raw had three matches, and two of them were decent, and one was average. So we're going to go with a tie on match quality right off the bat. 
Storyline advancement is a no contest. Even though Raw didn't do a bad job, this blows everything out of the water. So WCW takes the win when it comes to storyline advancement. Characters, I'm going to go with a tie as well. Although you could possibly lean towards WCW for debuting the one they just did. But um, over on Raw, we've got, got no Bret Hart. Um, on WCW, we've got no Hulk Hogan. So there's quite a few big names. Michaels isn't on the show. There's a few of them not there on either side of the fence. No Macho, obviously, on Nitro. As far as crowd heat goes, I'm going to go with WCW, even though the Raw crowd wasn't bad. Again, this is actually a, a decent couple of episodes of wrestling, so I can't complain about it too much this week. Crowd heat does go to WCW, though. You heard them at the end of that. They were pretty pumped for what they just saw. Production, I probably will go back to Raw and give them the nod there. Um, not that anything they did was light years ahead of WCW, but it was just a little bit better formatted. WCW is using too many video packages in a row and too short matches with too long video packages. So they're not quite at two hours worth of material yet, but they will get there pretty soon. Overall, it's a pretty solid win for Nitro. Um, I don't think it could go any other way considering what you've just heard, but it was interesting to see Raw actually put on a quality show right as Nitro is about to put the afterburners on. So it's not like one was, you know, the, the sort of WCW side of the rewritten narrative is that Raw was terrible and all gimmicks and Duke Drozzy versus Gil, Dwayne Gill in the main event and we came out and put the NWO on. It's not quite the case. Uh, Raw probably was finding its feet, but just a little bit slower than WCW did. That will do it for this episode. There's a lot of fun stuff coming up. Um, I've got an Australian-themed episode with a special guest coming up very soon. We just need to organize some scheduling times. Um, Richie and I have also nutted out our 1988 show and I've watched three quarters of the stuff for that so that's going to be coming out soon and I've got to get back into this 96 stuff and get up to the next pay-per-views because I'm really excited to watch the 96 King of the Ring and the Great American Bash and get Carl back involved um have to um send him an SOS and remind him that he's going to be needed again very very soon and of course Duncan I Duncan and I have just about finished our TNA Raw timeline so lots of good stuff coming up I will be back in touch with you all again very soon as always chat to me on Twitter leave comments um, reviews retweet the show when you see it go up and all that good stuff and if anyone has any questions or anything they'd like to see inserted in the show or any suggestions at all please just get in touch as always otherwise I will catch you all on the flip side Magic, baby. Turn motherfucking lights down Let's go, what up? What up, homie? I mean It's what you expected, ain't it? Let's go Uh, uh, uh Turn the music up uh, in the headphones Uh, uh, uh uh-huh. yeah. uh-huh. yeah, that's perfect Take your time, make a nigga wait on this motherfucker. <laughs> make a nigga mad and shit. Like, niggas usually just start rapping after four bars, nigga, go in. Just start dancing this motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. You just come out of nowhere. I feel like a black public money I got coming in. Can't turn my back on the hood, I got love for them. Can't clean my act 
good, too much tugging nah. up. Probably in the back in the hood, like fuck it, bitch. Huddling over the oven, we was like brothers then. What? Though you was nothing other than the son of my mother's friend. We had governing, who would have thought the love wouldn't? Like ice cold album, uh. all good things. Never thought we sing the same song that all hood sing. Thought it was all wood brain, all good brain. We wouldn't bicker like the other fools talk good game. Never imagine all the disaster that one could bring. Could bring, should blame the game. And I could, it's kill or be killed. How could I refrain? If I ever be a debt, and that's never a good thing. So the pressure for success can put a good strain on a friend you call best. And yes, it could bring out the worst in every person, even the good insane. Though we rehearsed it, it just ain't the same. When you put the game at age 16, then you mix things like cause jury and miss thing. Jealousy, ego, and pride in this springs. It all to a head like a coin. Chain, the root of evil strikes again. This could sting. Now the team got beef between the post and the point. This puts the ring in jeopardy. It definitely black Republican money I got coming in. Can't turn my back on the hood. I got love for them. Can't clean my act. I'm good. Too much tugging them. Probably in the back. Uh, I'm like, I feel like a black militant taking over the government. Can't turn my back on the hood, too much love for them. Nah. Can't clean my act up for good, too much thugging them. Probably in the back of the hood. I'm like, fuck it then. I'm back in the hood. They like hey knives. Uh, blowing on perp, reflecting on they lives. Uh, couple of fat cats, couple of AIs. Uh, dreaming of fly shit instead of them gray skies. Gray fives, hey dies, wishing our rain dies. Pitchling pies and niggas, they sing why. Uh, Guess they ain't strong enough to handle it. Jail time, weak minds keep trying, follow the street signs. I'm standing on the roof of my building. I'm feeling the whirlwind of beef I inhaling. Just like an acrobat, ready to hurl myself through the hoops of fire. Sipping 80 proof, bulletproof under my attire. Could it be the forces of darkness against hood angels of good that form street politics? Makes a sweet, honest kid turn illegal for commerce to get his feet out of them converse. That's my like word. A black Republican money keep coming in. Can't turn my back on the hood. I got love for uh, can't clean my act up for uh, good, too much thugging nah, them, probably in the back of the uh, hood. I feel like thing. a black militant taking over the government. Can't turn my back on the hood, too much love for them. Can't clean my act up for good, too much thugging them, probably in the back of the hood. I'm like, fuck it then.